0: of real and cyberspace there's one place you can go and you found it welcome to the nightwise.com podcast the one and only podcast with hacks tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks my name is nightwise and i'll be a host on this episode of the nightwise.com podcast season 15 episode 1 10 Geeky Things to Do in 2020. If you want to know more about everything we talk about, you can check out our website, www.nightwise.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com, where you'll find the links to everything I talk about, the apps, the websites, and other information, and the nightwise.com media feed. Subscribe to that feed and get all of the nightwise.com content delivered to your podcatcher automatically. You can also check out our YouTube channel where you can actually find the live recording of this episode with all the flub-ups included, and you can join our super-secret Telegram channel to chat, and you can do that over at t.me slash nightwise.com, all one word. Hey guys and girls and geeks, Um, let's just start by wishing you a very, very happy new year. It's 2020, the magical year that, uh, you know, it's kind of like magical, like 2000, that's 20 years ago, 2000. It still sounds a little uh, futuristic 2020, but uh, maybe that's what it is. Technology is having a ever bigger impact on our lives is becoming ever more important in our lives so um, why not uh, focus on that technology and focus on the way you can have it work for you i've got an interesting show for you lined up today Uh, everybody probably has new year's resolutions i know i do uh, and I was sitting around in the days over Christmas and New Year thinking, you know, what would I really like to to do in the next year? And what would I really like to work on uh, when it comes down to my geek credibility? And I started listing up some things and I decided, you know what, let's just make a show out of it. So we have a list show. We actually have 10 Things, 10 topics to go through. Uh, We'll spice it up with a little cool music and we will end up with uh, an interesting show, I hope. So, without further ado, because we got a lot to cover, let's get into the meat of the matter. Geeky things to do in 2020 that is something that's a little bit of a challenge but you got 365 days to do so and it's always nice to have lists like this because quite frankly they inspire you for a moment when you're bored or stressed or really want to change things in your life or in the way you do things. So, in uh, tip number one is, of course, I mean, we are the Nightwise.com podcast, a podcast with hacks, tips, and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. So, at absolute tip number one, something you should probably do in 2020, is try a new OS. Yeah, I know, I know, most of you are probably sliders going like Nightwise, come on, I, I'm working on, on different systems already, I'm jumping from Windows to a Mac or from the Mac to Linux or, or stuff like that, but, you know... There's probably that one platform that you haven't tried yet that you're a little biased about, like I don't know, Android or iOS. I don't know. Give it a try. Give it a try to try something new. For me personally, I am going to try a different flavor of of uh, of Linux. Um, I'm a Debian guy. Sorry, uh, I've been using Ubuntu and uh, Debian flavors for the longest time, and actually, I kind of. Don't know my way about uh, like other distributions, like for example, Arch or Red Hat based distros, or something like Suse. And I know Linux is Linux, but the installation of applications is different, and um, I haven't really, you know, <laughs> paid enough attention to do that. So this year, I'm going to step across uh, the package Gulf and go towards a uh, non Debian or non Deb. Uh, architecture and try it and the second thing if you want to try something new it's it's cool to just you know try it and funnel with it and go like yeah right that was it that was fine no 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 this time I'm talking about stick to it just put a a list of things that you want to do on that new OS like for example I don't know um, doing your GTD on a different mobile platform or I don't know, recording a podcast on a different version of Linux. I don't, I, I don't really know what you do behind those computers, you strange people. But try to stick to it. It's not like distro hopping where you jump over and you go like, yeah, there's a different desktop here. And you go back when you're frustrated. No, really try to stick to it because it will give you a very, very interesting experience and an opportunity to learn. And that learning... Brings us to number two on the list, learn, take the time uh, to learn a new piece of information. Uh, We are in a time and 2020 is the futuristic number where learning will become something that is ubiquitous and that will be constant. It's no longer enough that, you know, kids will learn stuff at school, get a degree and then, you know, go into the workforce. This is the time of eternal and lifelong learning. And you should give that a try and you should give yourself an opportunity to continue to learn. Now for geeks like us, learning is like oxygen. New information is something that we need to consume. And uh, I've been, you know, challenging myself to learn new things. Uh, And um, one of the things that you might want to do is listen to one TED Talk a day. TED Talks, if it's new to you, these are mini um, keynotes uh, given all over the world by the smartest people and you can download TED Talks on all kinds of topics. They're about 20 minutes long and there are awesome things in there that you can learn and they really give you a new look on things and broaden your horizons and broaden your perspective because they're given by really smart people who are really, really good at public speaking. Now, the TED app is great for this, you can basically, I don't know, when you're working out or in the morning, when you're having coffee, just, you know, um, I don't know, uh, you can you can tell it to uh, wanting to learn, that you want to learn something about a certain topic. And I would, you know, challenge you to take a topic that you don't know anything about or that might not interest you, like, I don't know, sci- uh, science or health. Or, or, or history, or whatever you don't know anything about. How about, you know, the missing children in Nicaragua? Oh, I don't know anything about that. You know, there's a TED Talk about that. What happens if you have a stroke and you're actually still conscious? Well, there's a TED Talk about that. And how to be more confident when you're speaking in front of people and how can help at playing with your body posture help you to do that? How does your body posture influence your state of mind? Well believe it or not there is a TED talk about that and about a lot of other topics. In the TED talk app you can actually say that you have X amount of minutes like 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour and you want to learn something about a certain topic and it selects the right TED talks for you and you can listen to them or watch them. one TED talk a day you know uh, when you're in, in a, when you're commuting or when you're out in the gym or something it's like you know it's the Snickers bar of knowledge really fulfilling not too sweet uh, and no it's not a, it's not a Snickers bar it's actually in one of these power bars of knowledge that uh, that help you to you know learn something new every day just one half an hour every day expand your uh, your views um, the other thing, of course, that you can do to, to learn something new is, you know, read an article online. There are plenty of articles online. I mean, the internet consists of it. Um, and sometimes you come across these things where you go like, yeah, this is really cool. This is really cool. I should read this. I should. Uh, I don't have the time to read this. I'll read this later. And then you forget about it and you go read crap. Like, I don't know, Reddit or 9gag or, or Facebook or whatever. Because there's a lot of low-calorie infotainment out there that doesn't really help you to enhance your skill here we are connected to the most powerful network on the planet that gives us all the information that we want to consume yet we consist you know we we insist that looking at cats uh cats are funny but you don't really you know learn anything from watching cats aside on how to be annoying i know so i have one so um if you, want, if you don't have the time to read that article, maybe you want to listen to that article. If you use a, a service called Pocket, which is a web browser extension, you can actually take that article and save it for later. So it will be stripped of all the ads and turned into a nice, you know, uh, good, simple article that you can read on the mobile pocket app later on even when you're offline. And if you don't have time to read, how about you listen? There's a text-to-speech version in pocket that you can use. You just tap on text-to-speech and it will read it to you a kind of like Stephen Hawking. It's nerdy and it takes some getting used to, but I found that when I'm, you know, um, have these small moments in my day when I'm waiting around for something or I'm I'm going on foot from the train station to work and have a couple of minutes, I try to, you know, snap one of these in between and have Pocket read it out to me. And just one article a day here, again, is a great way to learn something new about uh, something you didn't know a lot about. And of course, at number three, there is subscribing, uh, well, number three, the third Part of number two. Here I am, you know, throwing, throwing my list out of whack. Um, the, and, and one of the other things that you can do, of course, by, by uh, way of learning new things is, of course, subscribing to a new podcast. Um, there are a lot of podcasts about a lot of topics. And mostly we kind of subscribe to the ones we're really interested in. How about you do one that you're not interested in? I mean, not maybe that you're not interested in it, but where you don't know anything about. Because otherwise you just, you know, listen to the same content around the same topics and it's great. But how about choosing a very, very different topic? Something that's totally alien to you and that is totally different from what you know. So you can do that um, by... um, subscribing to a podcast of a topic that is you know really strange to you and uh you can even try something different you can also use a topic or choose a topic that really interests you but choose the podcast in a different language i've done this i have subscribed to a german tech podcast no my german isn't bad but it isn't fantastic either but it's a great way to learn new languages you know i know for one that um You know there are apps like Duolingo and like Come estás, namos este Miguel uh, pizza. Uh, It's a great way to learn Italian. Sorry, all the Italian people. I just you know borked that up completely. But um, it it's not really something that interests me. I tried Duolingo. It's nice. It's interactive. That's true. But mm, I went like yeah right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when I'm gonna use. The sentence when to order pizza in Rome. I'm not going to Rome anytime soon. Um, But listening to a podcast in a different language does introduce you and immerse you in that language. And it uh, helps you, you know, to stay focused on the language and wanting to understand the words because you're basically interested in the topic. At number four, there is the upgrade your security. Seriously, people, it's 2020, it's time. It's time to upgrade that online security. And I know that many of you might have been putting it off for a while now, but... How about you finally, and yeah, finally, um, do that thing where you get a password manager. Stop having to remember your own passwords. Stop trying to memorize them as a human. Stop trying to use. Stop trying using bad passwords or the same passwords everywhere. How about just getting a password manager and having that thing manage the passwords for you? and even generate them for you if you want to. There are plenty of cross-platform password managers out there. Like for example, KeePassX is a cross-platform um, database actually that that uh, stores all of your logins and your passwords to the different sites in a uh, um, well encrypted database. But you also have online uh, password generators, like for example, LastPass. LastPass is pretty cool, you know, when you go online and you enter a password, pa- LastPass either generates it for you or remembers the one that you made, and the next time you come to the website, LastPass will automatically fill it in. That's really nice, but you can also store other information in LastPass like um passwords that you would normally write down or that you don't use for offline for online things or or I don't know network keys or license keys you can all put it in there it's encrypted it's stored on their servers and it's relatively safe it's not never perfectly safe you're still putting your passwords on somebody else's computer Ta-da. but uh and of course your security just as with keypass x is of course just as strong as your master password to unlock your entire password vault but it's better than writing them on post-its or even trying to remember that because Basically, we're human, we're fallible. Bots uh, and hackers are better at cracking passwords than we are at remembering them. So it's time to fight machines with machines. Then I come to the next part here, and that is, well, upgrading your security and just not relying on a login and a password anymore. Any site that supports two-factor authentication or any server that supports two-factor authentication, use it. You know, it's time to take security one level up. It's not only your login and your password. Your login is mostly an email address that everybody knows. So your password is the thing that you know, and if somebody else knows it, well, they have the two things to unlock whatever information that you've stored behind a login and a password. So it's time to add a third layer of security to that and go with two-factor authentication where you either have an app on your phone that receives a code and that code is something that you need to enter in order to complete the authentication. So you have both your login, your password, and the key from your phone that's uniquely generated every time you log in from a new destination or from a new device. This prevents a hacker in Malaysia uh, from logging in behind his computer using just your login and your password. He still needs the, the, the code that's been sent to your phone. And this is the beauty of two-factor authentication. It's not only something you know, it's also something you you have. So, um, especially with services like ring.com uh, or with your email, uh, anything that has to do with banking, of course, your master password of your password fault, try to use two-factor authentication. You know, logins and passwords are a thing of the past. You need that three-part or that two-part authentication to really up that uh, up the ante on that um, access protocol to your very very sensitive information. And speaking of uh, security anyway, how about it's time to get a VPN? Hmm? You use the Starbucks when you're out or you use your work Wi-Fi when you're at work or maybe you're at the airport. You will use a lot of shared connections and shared connections are not always safe. I mean, it's pretty easy to set up a bogus Wi-Fi spot or to intercept the traffic on a public Wi-Fi spot and sniff your way through, see what people are doing. If you're on a wired network, for example, at work, you still pass through the uh, router and the DNS servers of that place. And they can basically look at what you're surfing at. Maybe not the content, but the websites. And, um, you know, uh, maybe you don't want that. Maybe you don't want to do that. Your ISP knows every URL you enter because they take a look at your traffic if they want to and maybe they want to sell you ads and maybe you don't want that maybe you want that connection from wherever you are to the internet to be secure and to obscure actually where you're coming from and you can do that with a vpn you can buy a commercial vpn service online which is you know pretty cheap uh, and um, have a very in- very easy way to tunnel out to a certain point in the internet, like for example, NordVPN has them in Scandinavia or, or all over the world, and leave the internet at that point, leave towards the internet at that point. So all the traffic between your computer and uh, the VPN endpoint, no matter uh, which networks it's transversing, is secure, is unreadable uh, by third parties. And that's something that I've always found very interesting because um, I don't know, uh, uh, those wired hotspots, uh, those wireless hotspots filled with students doing their thing. I go like, yeah, I don't really trust this. Um, I would like to have my connection secure. So you can take a commercial service or you can set up uh, your own, you know, at home. If your ISP allows it, why not set up an open VPN endpoint, use a Raspberry Pi, uh, install OpenVPN on all of your machines. This is cross-platform people, works on everything and just tunnel from wherever you are to your home network and leave forwards the internet there. It gives you an uh, an added um, step of security, you know, that traffic is uh, obscured all the way to your home network and then it leaves uh, via your home network connection. So if you're out and about, you can actually, you know, obscure your traffic, but you can also tunnel into your home network, which is really fun if you quickly want to, I don't know, access the web interface of your IP cameras or print a quick document you know it's like pulling a ethernet cable from wherever you are to your home router plugging into your own network and then interfacing with everything that's there and leaving for the internet starting from your own home connection so that's a project that you might want to work on listen to the episode that we did on diet pie where we talk about setting up a um VPN server that way. So let's see. One, two, three. We are at number four. Are we? We are at number four. Okay. Number four is <laughs> take privacy personal. Really? Really? This is the year where we start taking our privacy back. We have been uh, inundated with services that give us free access to data and storage and God knows what in order for them to use our data. I mean, uh, YouTube, Google... um Facebook they are all after our data and they are making money off our data and our data is the way we behave online our interests our personal information and even if it's anonymized god knows it allows them to analyze predict and even influence your shopping behavior now this is great when it's about shopping or is it You know, have you noticed that you might shop more when you spend more time online because your urges get triggered all the time to buy new stuff? Um, Is that a good thing? And on the other hand, who owns all of that data? Basically, my preferences and the way that I behave online, I think that my personal data is my own. And I don't have a problem if a service uses it to give me a better service. Fine with that. But I do have a problem when they sell it to other people. And this is what they make money on, people. Uh, Companies like Facebook, Google, they're ad agencies, and they make a lot of money with your data. So at the end of the road, there is the question, you know, whose data is it? You know, if it's my data and you're selling it, yeah, good, then I would like something in return. Maybe it's your service, but if you're selling it to a third party, maybe I want something from them in return. And if not, well, you don't get it. I am starting to pose the question, do you really need to know? Um, I was in the shop uh, a short while ago. I bought something and they said, uh, yes, can we just have your postcode and your date of birth? And I went like, why? Well, we're doing uh, an analysis on, I said like, no, I have purchased a product here. I have given you money. I don't want to give you any more information. If you want my information, you buy it for me. And the little shop clerk, poor thing, was completely, you know, baffled going like, but, but, but it's like, no, you don't have a right. To, you don't need this information in order to complete the transaction that I've just done. I went to the museum. So, you know, I paid and I went to the museum and I went like, you don't need my information in order to complete this service. So if there's no extra added value for me, when I give you my information, you're not getting it. She was a little baffled about that. But hey, (laughs) your data is valuable and start thinking about your privacy, it's not about having anything to hide, it's about who owns your data and who owns the information about you and what do they do with it and do they really need to have it. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no. So I'm starting to think on on a real need-to-know basis. You know, when you go to a website, this website would like access to your location. Does it really need to? No? Okay, boom, you're not getting it. This app would like uh, access to your contacts. Does it really need to? Mm, No? Okay, boom, you're not getting it. I'm done with uh, giving data away like it's for free. If they really want it and they make money off it and it can positively negatively impact me Later down the road or right now, you're not getting it. If you don't really need it, you don't get it. Because, you know, all that information that is stored by third parties can also be leaked by third parties. And that is something that you might not want. So take your privacy personal this year and, you know, take back what's yours. When we're talking about privacy anyway, uh, how about talking about tuning out? We are overconnected. We are always connected to the internet. There are bings and dings and doodads all out there, and maybe 2020 is the year where you occasionally step back from the maelstrom and go like, you know, maybe it's time to tune out a little bit. And um, well, there are things. There are a lot of things that you can tune out of your hardware. If you still have unsupported hardware lying around at home. You know maybe old ip cameras that aren't supported anymore or that old wireless router that isn't getting any updates anymore in case of security just you know tune out you know just get rid of that or if there's hardware that you don't use anymore declutter your life just you know dump it i've gone down from five to three computers i'm fine with that i have one phone one tablet and three computers because I'm a cross-platform geek. But, you know, I had this clutter of machines, you know, this one, this one, this one, and I wasn't using it. So I went like, you know what? Tune out. I'm getting rid of it, and I'm simplifying my hardware. You can also, you know, close down on those services that you no longer use. You might have signed up to a bunch of online services a while ago that you don't really use anymore. How about quitting your accounts? Just close out, Put them away. If it's not giving you any value in your life and you really don't get anything out of it, tune out, unsubscribe, close your account and be done with it. You can also start throwing out podcasts that you don't really listen to, that you want to listen to, but you don't really get down to listening to them. So you're just aimlessly collecting data that you don't really use. Of course, not the nightwise.com podcast. You're listening to that one. That's very important that you keep doing that. But how about the rest? You know, those things that you want to listen to. You know, I've been subscribed to security now for ages. And because the episodes are four hours long, I don't listen to them. So I've been stacking them up and... I've been looking at my play rates uh, last uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I went like, all right, the last time I listened to an episode of this podcast was six months ago. I'm just maybe, you know, still subscribed because I don't want to miss out, but I'm not using it. So tune out of podcasts you're not uh, listening to. Tune out of people you're not listening to. Uh, I use Facebook. Uh, it's there. And there are a lot of negative people on Facebook with negative content, you know, always bitching and moaning about God knows what and sharing uh, sensational or even fake news and and having this really negative vibe around them. I kick them off. I go like, I love you to bits everybody, but no, I don't want your negativity in my life. I don't want your content uh, and your, your your messages and whatever you have to say um, rile my emotions up and I'm not getting anything out of it except for fear and, and uncertainty and doubt or, or frustration. So how about I just tune you out? And I've unsubscribed from a lot of people and, you know, when you're on Facebook, you can just unfollow them. You still become, you're still their friend because maybe social uh, the social standards require you to, but you don't have to see what they post anymore. And I have a lot of people that I actually unfollow—not um, the ones I really care about, but yeah, I really, really keep clean house in my in my in my uh, social media feeds. And if it's a website or a service or a person that gives me that negative information, that that negative vibe, that acidic acidic online content. Uh, I I read a couple of weeks ago, which is a very nice word. I just tune them out. And of course, there is the uh, tuning out of um, notifications. My phone does not direct me. I have hardly any notifications on my phone. If I want to check my email, I'll check my email and I'll check it when I want to. And there are only uh, one or two apps that really give a ding on my phone. And the rest I check when I want to. Uh, We did an episode about this uh, on your notifications. I'll put the link in the show notes on how really zenning out your smartphone can help you to to lead a more, um, I don't know, not a more connected life, but a more you're connected with reality more because you're paying attention a more attentive uh, lifestyle and if you really want to go extreme how about leaving your phone at home for one day a week i've been doing this on sundays and i absolutely love it uh, i really enjoyed the fact that uh, i don't have my phone with me i am not reachable i don't i and i can't connect So the only thing I can do is experience the world around me and interact with the people around me and it's in these hyper-connected times something you really really want to try. We have five more things that we want to go to but first let's have a snippet of music. And that was a great track by The Midnight called Los Angeles. We're down to our five latest tips to do in 2020. And one of them is going rechargeable. I, for one, still have a mouse here which has a battery. And I decided to ditch everything that comes with an AA or a AAA battery inside. You know, the batteries that you have to, when they're empty, throw away. Go to the shop, buy new ones. So I'm going for rechargeable uh, gear, a rechargeable Wireless headset, rechargeable mouse, rechargeable keyboard. If it doesn't come with a rechargeable uh, port, I'm not buying it anymore. I'm getting rid of all my battery-powered stuff. It's better for the for the environment. I'm also getting my get a, getting a power bank. So if you don't have a power bank, do that. You know, our life depends on the fact that our batteries are charged. So having a decent four thousand milliamp power uh, bank or or bigger, if you want to. With you to charge your devices whenever you need to, whenever you need that connectivity, is a very nice tip to do. Aside from going rechargeable, you can also contribute to the environment or maybe your digital environment in another way by, you know, contributing something to the open source community. How about 2020 being the year where you write your first script? Maybe you want to try a little Python application or a little bash script or a little something that fixes a problem for you uh, by learning how to code in a very basic way. I'm a a coding noob, but I've even written a couple of scripts Uh, and sharing out those scripts to the community. You can set up your own GitHub page and actually share the script that you made. Now, it might be very basic, but it will be useful if it's not useful to you because it solves a problem. It might be useful to you because you learned to basically script and program by doing that. But it might also be useful to somebody who has the same problem that you do and they can really you know, use your script maybe uh, to fix their problem or to be inspired by building their own. If we're doing uh, the whole open source thing anyway, how about you file a bug? If you're using Linux or an open source software and you're annoyed that something doesn't work, file a bug. File one bug. If we all did that in 2020 there would be a lot of bugs filed and fixed uh, and that would contribute to the greater good of the open source community. There's this bug in um, all versions of Debian Linux when you install them on the Mac and it has a French keyboard that you don't get the right keys um, on an external keyboard. Or so the keyboard mapping, when you're using an external keyboard, is off versus when you're using the internal keyboard. Now it's a mistake, it's, it's an error, that's uh, it's a bug that's been there for about, I don't know, five, six years, and I am going to file it. If it hasn't been filed yet, I'll probably file it uh, myself, or go after it, that it's going to be fixed. And it might fix my little problem, but it also might fix a lot of problems for other people. And um, how about when you're, uh, you know, into your whole open source thing anyway, go to a forum and and help a noob. There's probably a lot of people out there that are running into issues and problems that you've been running into. How about you just, um, I don't know. answer them give them your knowledge answer their question it might be a very simple question but you're not only answering their question you're only also answering the questions of all the other people who are searching on that topic and contributing your knowledge even if it's just answering one forum post might be helpful to many many people The next item that I want to talk about is that you want to contribute to the community by archiving some data. Now, the archive.org is this great place that will basically archive anything. How about you start to archive some data? Perhaps for yourself, you might want to start with um, digitizing a lot of those Cassette and videotapes that are still out there you know you might have them lying around in your house or you might have them lying around in your family's house in your grandmother's house in your aunt's house your parents house they you know have gathered this information over the years and there might be very very um, cool um, images on there or audio on there that is very precious to the history of your family your personal history and you might want to to you know really save that because The one thing that you have is that VHS, uh, cassette tapes, all of these 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 media are disintegrating. They are really falling apart. And it's time to digitize them before they can no longer be digitized. So, I don't know, go out there and find those decaying VHS and cassette tapes and move them to a digital medium. And you might want to um, store them for yourself or you might want to share them with the internet in uh, the greatest sense of the word by putting them on YouTube or download or uploading them to the internet archive. Um, if it's about pictures, there are a lot of pictures still out there. You know, your your grand might have photo albums, family photo albums. These need to be digitized and 2020 is the year that you're gonna do it. There's this great app called Google Photo Scan that you can use to take pictures with your smartphones of those old Polaroids. And they will, and the app will actually crop it, put the uh, angle uh, in, in the right direction. So if, you were, if you're you know, taking the picture skewed, it will put it up straight and it will optimize the image. It's kind of like a straightening, correcting, photoshopping uh, algorithm that immediately takes the best picture of that analog picture. So you can store it online and you want to want to store it on premise by using older hard drives as media, which still is a great way to to kind of store a lot of data. So take those old hard drives that you have, format them and use them as archives, or maybe upload them to the Internet Archive and share them with the world. Storing everything there is free. It's not private, but it is free. And when we're coming down to sharing and contributing, we are going to come to number 8. Sorry, number 9 on our list. Yeah, we skipped a number over there, but it's it's not a YouTube show. We don't really stand on numbers. It's the information that matters. And that is to share and contribute. So upload that information to the Internet Archive. Maybe not your personal data, but maybe you still have a manual of, I don't know, an old computer book lying around. Scan it, upload it to the Internet Archive. Or something that you created, like, for example, a podcast or a recording Upload it to the Internet Archive. There is so much information up there but they are really really gathering everything. If you want the the original manual of an Amstrad you can just find it there. Maybe you have this computer book lying around at home or this old folder of uh, something that's, that's really quaint and cute and you want to share it with the world. Upload it to the Internet Archive, they love it over there. When you want to share and contribute, you can also record your own podcast. You have something to tell, how about 2020 being the year where you basically crawl behind the microphone and tell the world what you think is really and really important. So you can do that, record a podcast, do it in a, show, a series of shows like Hacker Public Radio where you don't have to start up your own podcast, but you can just record one, share it with the world and they will uh, put it out there. Or you can of course record feedback for a podcast that you listen to maybe you have something to say on the topic that you're listening to record that and send it towards that podcast i know you can go to our telegram channel record something and we can play that in our podcast enriching the whole experience for everybody and of course at the final uh number 10 there are a few few things that i want to give with you uh want to to, um, share with you and that's about paying it forward Paying it forward is where you basically do a good deed just because you can. Uh, Supporting a podcast is a great way. Uh, I mean, give them feedback. It keeps the hosts motivated to do that. I know I do. I know I love feedback. Or send in your own contribution. Contribute to the podcast. Pay it forward. You can donate. There are two charities uh, or charities, two services online that are really, really important. Wikipedia and Archive.org. I don't donate a lot of money. I don't donate to big causes, but these guys, they're getting my money every year. Even if it's five dollars, or if it's five euros or ten dollars, even if it's one dollar. If you give them to these two non-commercial but very essential services, you are really, really paying it forward. You can even, you know, you can donate uh, an older piece of hardware to somebody who's in need. Uh, maybe got that old laptop lying around. How about, you know, you just put Linux on it and give them, give it to somebody who, who needs it, who, who would like to use it. I don't know, put retro or, or emulation station on that old machine, uh, hook up a controller and put some games on it and give it to a kid around the corner or somebody who isn't really... You know doesn't have the funds to buy his own retro gaming rig how about using your knowledge and older discarded hardware and giving it away without any strings attached just to pay it forward you have your knowledge use it and of course there is the gift of giving knowledge uh, giving knowledge in the form of what I call library sticks take a USB stick Uh, I don't know, 8 gigabytes, 20 gigabytes, and take a topic that you're really interested in. And gather information on that topic. These can be PDFs from websites or EPUBs that you found, or all kinds of information or pictures. Or you can use YouTube DL to download YouTube videos with documentaries and God knows what, and cram it all together into a library. And put this library on a stick. And if there's somebody who's really interested in something, you might want to share that information with them. So creating a library stick with podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, PDFs, uh, articles, you know, all concentrated and go like, you know, you wanted to know everything about Chernobyl? Yeah, this is everything about Chernobyl. And if they're really interested uh, in it, getting a curated stick like this uh, with all of the information is like a, a treasure trove of information around a certain topic. And you might want to, you know, ask your friends to, or your fellow geeks online, to put together these sticks on different topics and pass them around. And I would go for a sneaker net passing around because that's the magic of it, where you really get this this great USB stick. And uh, give it to somebody who is interested. So you know how about a podcast collection of podcasts you really like to listen to or articles online that you really liked or documentaries of YouTube that were your favorite selection. Giving them in a physical way is also something that's really important because it's this human to human contact that uh, bridges even the most digital gaps and I really like the way Uh, I like that way to pay it forward and pass it around and share your information in 2020 and your knowledge and your enthusiasm by bringing more geeks into the fold. And that is all we have time for this week on the nightwise.com podcast. I hope you've got some inspiration out of our very uh, cobbled together, non really numerical, but still hopefully interesting lists of things you might want to do and try in 2020. There's a lot in there and you might want to pick and choose whatever works for you, but I've kind of noticed that you know doing one of these things from time to time really makes you happy makes you learn and you know it's it kind of you know How do I say it? Uh, It really cuddles your inner geek. So, um, we will be back in 2020 with more hacks, tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. Until then, let technology work for you. Take one of these 10 items, integrate them into your life, into your workflow, into your routine, and let technology work for you. From all of us here at Nightwise.com, the producers, the community, the contributors, I wish you a very, very happy new year and a very, very joyful and peaceful and successful 2020. Let technology work for you instead of the other way around. See you guys. Bye-bye.
1: You have been listening to the NightWise.com podcast, the show with hacks, tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. Send your feedback, questions or start your own personal flame war by contacting us directly on feedback at nightwise.com. You can support the show by sharing it with your friends or writing us a nice iTunes review at www.nightwise.com forward slash iTunes. If you have some credits to spend, click the PayPal button on the nightwise.com website to help us pay the bills. Just remember, there is real life outside cyberspace! But it's not all that important.